guys, and welcome. Thanks for joining me here again for another episode of It's a Wrap. I am your host, Antricia Bray, here today with my special guest co-host, Ms. Sharon Latcher, joining me here in the studio as we're going to talk about addressing childhood trauma. Now, uh, with that being said, you know, the content within this episode uh, is sensitive and it can involve triggers and things like that, especially for some of us who have uh, experienced childhood traumas ourselves. So viewer discretion is advised. So if you have small children in the room or if you yourself are new and just starting out in your own journey to healing and uh, overcoming some of your own trauma, whether past, present, uh, past or present, please make sure that you do what you have to do to take care of you and your emotional health first, okay? So viewer discretion is advised. Nonetheless, welcome, Sharon. I'm glad you're here to join me to talk about this topic today. And I just want to uh, just give you time just to introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what it is that you do. Hi, my name is Sharon Latcher. I am a 57-year-old mother of four. I have eight grandchildren and I have one great-grandbaby. So I am excited about my uh, grandbaby. She's new. She's four months old and she already has me wrapped around her finger. <laughs> uh, I am a human resources professional. I process payroll. I've been in human resources now for about 12 years. And um, needless to say, I am on a job that I've been on for five years. I love it. And that's probably going to be my last job. <laughs> Man, you mean to tell me that at 57, mm -hmm. 57-year-old professional yeah. who's in a profession that she loves mm -hmm. and it's probably going to retire there Right. Can have trauma? Yes, you can have trauma at 57. Yes. Childhood trauma that you didn't think about or you locked away in a box somewhere and put it in a compartment and just didn't think about it. No, yeah, we don't think about it. You know, we think about the accolades, the degrees all of this, these things that we set out to accomplish. And sometimes, you know, we can leave our story on the back burner. Right. Till one day it just blows up in our Pops face. Up. So this, this yeah. Be, yeah. Now, even yeah. after, you know, doing work myself, I can still see things continuing to knock at my door. Right. Another layer unfolds. Mm -hmm. I'm doing good in my career. Another layer unfolds. Right. And it's something else I have to deal with. Yeah. And I must and say, it, my shit runs deep. <laughs> <laughs> it runs deep. And yeah. I can find ways to laugh now, but I haven't always right. uh, been that at that point where I could laugh right. or, yeah. or, or to be okay with shedding tears mm -hmm. and things like that. When did you realized that you had some hidden traumas uh, that you 
needed to address so that you can finally heal? Well, I've been married to my husband for 18 years and it's my third marriage. Um, and it's been a rocky 18 years. Um, and I realized in dealing with some of the things that I do that I had not gotten over my trauma, my mess, my crap that runs deep, you know? And like you said, you can laugh about it, but at the end of the day, when you're sitting in the house with your spouse and you still feel lonely, you know, then something is wrong. And um, last year uh, I wrote a book and, and in writing the book helped me realize, dang, I've been carrying this mess around for 40 something years. Was and it, I thought I was, was it over sitting it. at the house uh, in quarantine that you were forced to maybe sit and really look at what was going on? You know, to, yeah, to, I mean, to to get to the point where I had to write this book and I didn't want to write the book, um, but it just kept saying, God just kept saying, you're not going to heal if you don't get this out. Yeah, I can relate. I'm a, I'm a publisher often now, but... In my early adulthood, probably before I was 30, I wrote my first book, and many people don't know that. I only shared it with uh, one friend uh, who I allowed to read it. But much of that book was so saturated with detail of the mm -hmm. abuse that I uh, suffered. A lot of my trauma a lot of my raw emotions in only a way that a young lady could express herself. And when I wrote that book, I sent it out to publishers, but uh, I never got an opportunity to publish it. But I later understood that that was for me. Wow. That was my outlet to finally give the little girl inside of me a voice and put her in a place to where she's comfortable to now here 25 so years later she has a voice and she's confident in her telling her story and sharing her story and leading so many other people to um heal what were the emotions initially wrapped around writing that book when you say you didn't want to write it or you were you was kind of hesitant what was that feeling that uh prompt you to be uh kind of mm, I don't know if I should tell this what was that um for me in writing the book and the reason I didn't want to write it is because the stuff that happened to me was when I was a teenager and it was my mom's boyfriend. And when I told my mom, she didn't believe me. So I didn't want to write it to make her look bad or to make her, to make people think that my mom didn't care about me. But then once I started writing, I realized that, that it really wasn't about her. 
it was about me healing. And then as she's dealing with her, she was dealing with her own stuff. And today, you know, even though I kind of wrote it not as autobiography, but in third party, and then I'm protecting people around me, you know, because kids don't know and just people don't know. So, and I was like, what are they going to think about me and the things that I did trying to overcome my drama, you know, because you don't tell your children everything, you know, you don't tell your friends everything that you did when you experience trauma and because it affects people different ways. So, you know, and I didn't want people to know what I did, how I did it, you know, what, where I lived, that I was homeless, you know, I didn't want my kids to know any of that. Yeah, we spend a lot of time, even in our healing healing journey, not only protecting uh, those that we love and that depend on us and uh, see us in some kind of light, but we also protect our abuser in a lot of ways. You know, some 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 ways I I can see where you know names are not necessarily needed or necessary, but telling the story is right because sometimes we get trapped in that place of trauma we get trapped in that little girl maybe you were trapped in that teenager uh trapped in uh maybe even sometimes blaming ourselves thinking that um we were at fault i can remember being a little girl thinking that oh it was my fault that uh these people were abusing me um did you ever at any time assume the guilt role uh, for the abuse that happened to you yeah the the first time um i waited a couple of days before i told my mom and i didn't hear anything back and i'm just knowing for sure that he was gonna be gone when i got home from school but she made the statement that he said nothing happened but if it did happen, it was because I was walking around in some little bitty short shorts. And so as you can imagine at 15, I'm thin, not even a hundred pounds. So I kind of start watching what I wore to say, well, okay, maybe, you know, these shorts are too short. Maybe this dress is too tight. Maybe it fits and shows my little shape off, you know? And so I just kind of, kind of watch what I, what I wore at that time. Yeah, man, (laughs) you see that and it, it begins to trigger me indeed, because not so much as a younger child, my abuse started as early, I can think back as early as four and five years old. I had several of abusers over the course of my life. This was not a one-time incident that happened to me by one abuser. So um, I began to think growing into my teenage years that um, this was just the fate that life had set out for me, which caused me to act out in many different a variety and array of extreme behaviors 
at 15, you're, you're older, you are aware of what's going on. Um, know that it wasn't right. And you felt like you could talk to mom about the situation, uh, but not really getting the answers that you felt like you needed. Now, right. mind you, when we're younger and the trauma happens, many of us are scared into silence. So let me just say, I applaud your strength for reaching out and uh, telling your mom, which so many of us, even to this date, you know, we still keep that secret. And mom may be dead and gone and in her grave. And we kept that. And we sat in this place for so long that we haven't healed. And yet we know this trauma is there and we continue to make excuses. You reached out to mom. You didn't get the answers that you needed. Your abuser is still right there. How does that impact you? So I started um, trying to not be a, at home alone with him, um, not watching what I wore, you know. Um, and then the second time it happened, I, I kept quiet. You know, because it was like, it's, it's nothing going to happen. You know, he's still going to be here. It's like, so after the first time, I was silenced. I was silenced because nothing happened. And even though I tried not to get caught home alone with him, it happened a few more times. And then I eventually in high school, started playing soccer and met a friend and ended up staying with them for a while. And then I felt some kind of normalcy. And even though the mom, she kind of knew something was going on, she never asked me any questions and I never said anything. And that was my life for the next couple of years. Man, yeah, I, I find that, you know, our parents, we we look at them for being parents and to be the protector, protector of us because they've nurtured us to a certain extent. But one thing that I've even found with uh, being older and sharing so much of my personal and my intimate life with the public not only the public, but, you know, my parents and my family and my kids, you know, knowing so much about uh, the trauma that I suffered is that I find that many of them have trauma too. Right. And they haven't healed. They haven't even addressed it. It's been something that for generations, you know, they have been taught to just sweep under the rug. What goes on in this house stays in this house. And as a result of that, many generations have been impacted. Many have been impacted and suffer in silence. And so do you know if there was any generational trauma in your family that maybe they just didn't know how to uh, deal with it? Um, I've, my mom is, you know, she's never one of those to talk. I know that my grandparents separated. I know there was violence. Um, 
Um, my grandmother died at an early age. Um, so, but other than that, I don't know if, if she had been traumatized the way that I was traumatized. I can only imagine um, one of her sisters died at an early age as a teenager. So, you know. Trauma is trauma and not all trauma yeah. is sexual trauma. Right. Sexual trauma is what I'm uh, familiar with uh, throughout my life and other traumas as well. But that's the one that I'm most familiar with that tends to haunt me. Right. <laughs> yeah. Continues to uh, surface. As a young lady who has dealt with trauma throughout the course of her life, um, I begin to have promiscuous behaviors. I begin to have um, relations with, uh, I, I always call it jumping from bed to bed or from man to man. Did you have any uh, behaviors that shown up uh, as just a young girl that um, living her, her best life? Uh, <laughs> uh, that looks like one thing, but actually equated to the trauma? Do you have any uh, behaviors that showed up one way, but was really related to the trauma that you dealt with? Yeah, um, so my abuser did not penetrate me. He had oral sex with me. And so you can imagine that feeling of the orgasm at 14 and 15. So, I searched for that. And even though the times that I did get caught with him, I always felt guilty by the way my body responded, not knowing that, not knowing how to separate the, the body response from knowing that it was wrong. And so throughout my years, I walked around and I carried myself. Guys would talk to me, oh, you carry yourself this way and that way. And I was a queen of one night stands. I would sleep with two people at one. I had relationships. I was working as a nursing assistant. It was what guy worked in the daytime and a guy worked at nighttime. And I was sleeping with both of them and they didn't know it. So yes, I was very promiscuous, but I carried myself as being in monogam monogamous relationships. Yeah, we're, we get good at that. <laughs> we yes. get good at that, you know? Yes. Uh, it, it, it is. It's a cover-up. Many people see us and they judge us as, oh, she's fast or she's easy or she's this or she's that. But really, it's the trauma. And right. that's one of the things that uh, I thought it important to teach my young ladies, my girls, as they were growing up. You know, don't be so quick to judge somebody when you see them experiencing or, or uh, uh, involved in these kind of uh, behaviors. We don't just get out here sleeping with people just because it's the thing to do. Right. There's a yeah. story, there's an underlying root cause behind everything that we do. And oftentimes we miss it right. because we're yes, so quick. We, we, we look at this young lady, we see so much of our own selves sleep sleeping around babies uh different men uh marriage to marriage whatever that looks like those are behaviors that most of the time more often than not 
is related to some kind of trauma. That is correct. Yes, it is. And then also in our relationships, if we are in a monogamous relationship and the person is, is not a good person or is not faithful, then we feel like we just got to accept whatever or however they treat us because of what we've been through because we don't feel worthy or deserving enough of a better relationship. I still struggle with that. I, I still struggle with that very thing that you're talking about. And I don't know if it's that I don't feel worthy. I think my ability to maintain and sustain satisfactory in that relationship <laughs> is a lot of my problem. Now you yeah. talk about being able to orgasm and, and things like that as a result of your trauma that caused you to feel guilt. But I had been so traumatized throughout my life. I didn't get satisfaction from anything. As a matter of fact, I believe I was um, sexually active for years before I even knew what an orgasm was. And it scared me. It, it, it yeah. scared me. But still, even that guilt that that feeling inside of feeling dirty and stuff it still uh haunted me you know i couldn't lay down with a man and be satisfied i liked him for uh 24 hours maybe but after i right. slept with him oh oh i was just disgusted by him i didn't want to <laughs> be around him anymore so i'd go on right. to the next one so the thought yeah. of uh monogamous relationship no nah. That wasn't even in my vocabulary, but. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I don't even know if I cared. Uh, who knew that, that I was with you in the next one and the next one either. I don't even know if it was right. even a thought. I was just looking to feel something yeah. that was so voided within me. But on the flip side of that, here right. I am, I was educated. I was a professional. I excelled at everything. I had all these talents. It was just like the sky is the limit. And yet inside of me, I'm dealing right, with all yeah. this depression and anxiety. And I didn't like what I see when I looked in the mirror. Uh, yeah, did you at any point uh, have those feelings? You know, you're accomplishing so much. You're raising a young family. You're married. Uh, maybe the relationship ain't the best. Did at any point uh, you experience uh, mental illness or, or, or emotional uh, depression, anything like that? I can say that yes, because even in dealing with my relationships, <clears throat> my first two marriages, both of them last less than, what, two years. And so I just went through them. Um, the first one, he was like, you want to get married? And we was going to have our first child, my third child. And I'm like, okay, yeah, fine, whatever. You know, so it was like that. And I didn't love that man. You know, he just come on. I'm going to have my third child, his first one. And he wanted, he said, you want to get married? I'm like, okay. So that marriage didn't last long. My second marriage, the same thing. You know, I, I don't even like you. But, you know, you deal, that was the way I dealt with my situation because I was like, 
okay, this other stuff, you know, the queen of one night stand is not working for me. You know, my kids are getting a little older and, you know, and I, I don't want all these men coming around. And so I tried to be monogamous and it just didn't work because I know. <laughs> and then even with that, even with the sexual intimacy between me and my husband, I still find myself, you know, masturbating because I'm trying to get this feeling that I've gotten accomplished or a comp a gotten uh satisfied with in my head since I was 14, 15. So I'm still chasing after that feeling. Chasing that high. Yes. And that's why I got toys in the bedroom now. <laughs> <laughs> Chasing that high, because once you get Chasing it, that man, high. yes, exactly. Man. And you got yes. them one night standards, they'll come in and rush. Hell, I don't need that right. rush me. Let me take I my know. time. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, and and that was a that was a process for me because I started back thinking as I started my healing process, you know, a lot of prayer. And I started thinking about, well, what if this happened? What if my mom believed me? What if he didn't do it more than once? And then I got, you know what, these what ifs will, what ifs will kill you because it's just going to make you stay in that cycle of it's a never ending cycle. What if, what if, what if? What led to being homeless? That That's a question that is on my mind. Uh, what led up to being homeless? So I was 17 and I was, I, I had went back home to stay with my mom because um, it was something happened, a family event or something. And so I went back to stay with my mom and he was still there. And so, um, I started hanging out at one of my um, girl, girlfriend's house from school and we would party every weekend. I had started drinking heavily. I had started being really promiscuous and, but it still was not helping. It was not helping me. I was still thinking about it. I still felt guilty. I still felt dirty. And I'm like, this drinking is not masking sex with all these guys is not working and so I couldn't go home and then I just didn't have anywhere to go I mean I could have went back to Tyler where my my mom's family is from but then there's going to be questions why are you back why are you this why are you that and, and I was like and so I just ended up homeless um walking the streets you know, sleeping here, sleeping there, and ended up staying with some old man I didn't even know. Yeah, them old men always coming to the rescue, ain't they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I got a baby bob couple of them. <laughs> Come to the rescue. <laughs> right, yep. <laughs> and, and you don't want them, but shit, they don't know. They ain't like they care anyway. As long as they can get exactly. whatever, you know. Yeah, whatever. take take care yeah. of me. I'm yeah. looking for uh, yeah. I'm looking for one right now. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I'm looking for one right now. Come take care of me. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I don't know if I'd equate that to being homeless or just being yeah. lucky. I don't know. The hell somebody right. Yeah. I know. <laughs> That that was that was a, a situation in itself, you know. Yeah, called Captain Save a Ho. You sure yeah. right, save me. <laughs> <laughs> With your drills and all. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh, so yeah. so so you are educated. Uh when did you get the education? Were were you continuing your education through all of this? And did anybody ever notice or ever make you feel safe to where you were able to share? Or were you 50-something before you have been able to express this? I was 57 before I've been able to really um, express this. Matter of fact, my best friend that I met my senior year of high school um, and I finished high school the first semester because um, I had enough credits. And then that's why nobody noticed that I was really homeless because I didn't go to school the rest of the semester. Um, but my best friend out of high school, she did not know this until she read my book. And um, my kids, I have three boys and a daughter. My daughter, I kind of told a little bit but she didn't realize how deep and how bad it was until she read my book. So, but yeah, 50, in my 50s, yeah. When I started healing and having some friends around that I could talk to, you know, started praying more, allowing God to heal. And one of my friends, she, you know, she's a licensed therapist. So talking to her and, just really begin to, you know what, let go. But even when I started writing a book, I realized I was still holding on to some of that stuff, you know. <laughs> Man, like, it's familiar to us. You know, we drag yes. this stuff around. It's it's a part of us. And and we go exactly. through a grieving process, so to speak, when we begin to release this stuff. That is what so uh can be so it's why we can stay silent for so long. Right. We're familiar right. with that. We don't know what it's going to be when we expose ourselves. <laughs> you know, when people exactly. really see what's behind this, what has made this woman. Um, so so when did you go to college or get an education? When, when did you uh, do that in the, in the midst of the course of your life? Leading up to 50-something in this wonderful career because you are a career oriented uh lady uh did it take education to do that did you go to college or or is this just a role that you were just good at and and, and stepped into throughout the course of your life so when i had my um i'm 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 finishing up my bachelor's degree now i've been in and out of school ever since i finished high school so but when i had my last my um last child um I went because I had two babies back to back. And so that last one, I went to work for Regions Bank, which is now Bank of America. And I can tell you how God favors you and how God works. I was hired as a receptionist. But this old white man, for some reason, 
he said, well, come here, let me show you something. And I was like, okay. You know, when they used to do accounting on those long green sheets. And so he was like, let me show you this. Just, I don't know where you're needed at or where you, it'll take you. And so I learned how to do accounting on the green sheets. And so I started doing that, took a couple of classes, got in school. So I got good at doing accounting. And I did accounting for a lot of years. And then it just evolved into um, payroll and human resources. And of course, over the years, I've taken some classes and almost got close to finishing my degree. Life happened, stopped, and now I'm actually like seven classes away from finishing my bachelor's degree. You better go get that thing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Oh, we're going to complete yeah. some shit now. Do you hear me? Right. Because it's exactly. something about being free. You don't just start a thing. Yeah. You go and finish and complete that exactly. thing. Exactly. Bring it full yeah. circle. So, man, I commend you. I believe you're going to help some of us with that. Because many of us Thank done you. started a thing. But because we got this baggage attached to us and this trauma attached to us, we don't complete it. And right. so I commend you for doing Thank that you. and for sharing that. I'm glad I kept digging. I knew it was something. So. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was something, man. Yeah. yeah, we need to hear that. Yeah, And, you, and you're 57. Somebody sitting I'm here and they're they're 35 and they thinking they too old and can't go back. Lies you tell. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> you better go get what's yours. You better yes. go get it. Man. Yes, get it. Exactly. Indeed. So what is the name of your book and where can we get this book? So the name of my book is called For the Life of Me, Finding My Hidden Treasure, and it's on, available on Amazon. And it's, it's, it's a short book, um, but it's, it's like my daughter said, she said it, it was deep. <laughs> yeah, that trauma runs pretty deep, usually. Yeah. It, it yeah. does. Does not to mention the trauma that we pick up on and attaches to us as a result of the undealt with trauma that we've had right. all these <laughs> years. Yes, exactly. So it doesn't just stop there. We yeah. pick it up along the way. We attract that, which is why we attracted so many of them sugar daddies. <laughs> right. <laughs> and one night standers, them uh, exactly. one hit of yes. <laughs> right along the way. Right. You're thinking about <laughs> <laughs> Somebody asked. Exactly. Yeah, I know, right? What like what was I thinking? You know, it was just one of those things. It was a means to an end. <laughs> man, man. Yeah. Anything else you would like to share with us as it relates to your story? And I want to know that as a result of the book being written and you being a voice for so many of us women uh, and men too, because I know men have trauma 
gonna have to get a man on the show, matter of fact, to talk about trauma because that's something that is not talked about either. But as a result of that, do you have any events or something that you you plan to uh, birth as a result around your story and your book to reach more women around the world? I am my my friend of mine. We're in the process of getting a nonprofit for young girls um, to help deal with some of the trauma. Um, and that's why this is the first step to me being on your show, um, helping to reach people, getting the book out there because it is a process. You know, everything in life and process is one of my favorite words because everything you do in life is a process. You can't just wake up in the morning and put it aside and thinking, oh, I'm done with it or talk about it one time and thinking, oh, it's over, it's out of my system. No, it's a process. It has taken me 40 something years to get this process started, to get this process of healing going and then writing this book. I, this book should have been out honestly about five or six years ago, but, but it took that time for me trying to deal with you know, I don't want to make my mom look bad and I don't want this family member to look bad, you know, or, and I don't want my kids to know exactly that I was homeless and all of this stuff, but everything is a process. But yes, we are in the process of opening a nonprofit in the building. And eventually I do want to do a book signing to get the book out there and, and just talk to people and, and let them know that, hey, I'm 57. I went through this. I know how hard it is. I know how difficult it is to talk to somebody, you know, but talk to people. There's always a stigma associated with going to therapy. There's nothing wrong with going to therapy. You know, I pray and I allow God to heal me, but I also talk to people because you have to do something to let it out. Bad and not drink ourselves to death like we tend to do. We we see a lot exactly. of those uh, yeah. women on the job. And I know the kind of women I'm working around. You know, sometimes right. we, we 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 drink and we uh smoke and we self-medicate and pain pills and pop pills here and there and we do all this, but most of the time it equates to trauma or abuse, whether past or present. Some of us live with our trauma in the house. We have these alcoholic spouses and things like that that uh, bring on uh, trauma every day. And we've just gotten familiar and uh, used to that kind of stuff. And so I said that to say this, we work around women all of the time. Women with trauma, we work around men or we encounter men throughout the course of our day uh, who live with trauma and Oftentimes they're self-medicating. They're self-medicating. Right. They haven't dealt with, uh, and because they have degrees and because they dress it up just right, just because they smell just right and look just right and have this uh, status, so to speak, we think that they're okay and their life is perfect. What do you say to that man or woman as we're wrapping it up today? What do you say to that man or woman 
that you may encounter every day and never even give a thought about the trauma that they've experienced or been exposed through in their life or throughout their life. It's like you said, we never know what goes on uh, behind someone else's uh, four walls. What do you say? What, what, what encouragement or advice do you have for that young man or that young woman listening today? I would say, talk to somebody. I would say pray because I am a minister now, but even, and I have to say, even as a minister, I've been a minister since 2007, I still dealt with this stuff, but you have to talk to somebody, find some way to release the, the trauma, find some way to start the process of healing because you're not going to heal and you're not going to get through it if you don't start the process. And that process can begin with just telling somebody, hey, look, this is what I'm going through. And it has to be somebody that you can trust, that you know won't repeat it or you won't hear back. And if you have to talk to a licensed therapist, there's no shame in that. There is no shame in going and making an appointment and sitting for an hour talking to a therapist. There's no shame in that because I will commend you for doing that. Because you have to do something. And drinking, for me, at 17, 16, that didn't help me. Being promiscuous at 16, 17, that didn't help me. You know, for me, it started when I started going back to church. Started praying more. Started committing my life to God. And when I was able to release and being shown that it's okay to talk to somebody. And then prayer helped tremendously man i tell you what that, that, that glass of wine every now and then it might not be heaven but the show tastes good <laughs> show tastes good <laughs> i know i know yeah i know See, oh, i wasn't man. a wine drinker i was like give me some rum and coke Oh, I'm I'm fine now. Look, I'm fine. It ain't a girl and gin and juice get me in trouble. Do you hear me? Leave that stuff alone. Woo! I know. I used me? to make what's called pink panties. I used to have to cut the women Man. off. I Man. Make no more pink panties for y'all tonight. <laughs> appreciate you sharing for being here and sharing so much of your story um, because this is the first time you publicly right yes, have yes. shared it outside of the book yes. and so being here with me I appreciate you being here and being so open and honest and having a few laughs with me and uh, anything that I can do to help you as you're building your nonprofit and uh, creating events around what it is that you have and giving so many women a voice, please, by all means, reach out. Uh, I am here uh, and, and, and a willing supporter of what you do as you're going to help give a voice to so many people around the world. So I appreciate you uh, being here and sharing that. Nonetheless, guys, what's done is done and what's said is said. And with that being said, it's a wrap.